And uh, I, I love always when I have the privilege of being a guest speaker, not just to kind of pull something out of the hat that's easy for me, but to, but to, but to ask and to find out. So, so, Pastor, how are you leading the church now? What, what's the word? What's the series? What are you preaching through? And I'm so thankful that this series that Todd is currently in, it just so deeply resonates with my heart. Uh, as you see in your outline, in fact, if you turn your outline in your bulletin, you'll see before us um, the, the way I want to talk for a few moments with us about uh, our calling as a church. I so appreciated Matt's word. You know, Matt gave us a great testimony of how a lot of the Christian life is, um, is recognizing and deconstructing the ways we think wrongly about God, about Christ, about the church. And, and I really see that in the scripture before us today. Kind of the theme that we're looking at in this current series is, how do we as followers of Christ, how do we view what goes on outside these walls? What does it mean to be a church? How do we think about ministry as a lifestyle, not primarily for the paid professionals, but in light of this incredible gospel, how do we see and understand and celebrate that every single one of us matters to the Lord and matters in his story? In fact, a way to think about the text that we'll talk about for these few moments is, think of the Christian life or discover with me or hear with me for the first time or for a fresh hundredth time, hear with me that the Christian life is finding our place in God's story as a character and as a carrier. They're really not the same thing, right? You, you, you think of a character in a play or a movie as someone that's, that's in that story. But, but a carrier is someone that understands a responsibility for those on the outside. And look at the text with me again, and you'll see that beautiful flow, the way the Apostle Peter, who was a very broken man, a very needy man just like me, a man that was captured by the grace of God, how in coming alive to the love of Christ, he is writing to churches just like Trinity Church. He's saying, this is what I want you to understand. This, this is how we are now called to live life, not to get the love of God, but because we have it completely. That's why I'm calling this meditation compelled and captured and compelled by the love of Christ. Ministry is an overflow of grace. Now look at the very first verse that as it was read to us. The word of the Lord comes to us in, in love verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious... You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Notice what's being affirmed here, that uh, every single Christian, every church, we need to think of the Christian life as a perpetual coming to Jesus meeting. Do you, do you all use that phrase in, in, in Hawaii? Got to have a come to Jesus meeting, son, you know, usually when as a parent or a child, uh, at least in the southern part of the United States, we use that phrase to mean, now look at me, this is serious, we got to have a come to Jesus meeting. And whether or not Jesus was involved in that conversation, you get the point. It's an important meeting. And what Peter wants us to understand as Christians is that we don't just come to Jesus 
to begin the Christian life. Now, that truly is how we begin the Christian life, right? We come to Jesus, but what does it even mean to come to Jesus initially? Well, it means we, we come making promises. It means we don't come making promises. It means we come entering into the promise that was kept for us. The Apostle Peter knew what we need to understand that when on the cross, Jesus Christ cried out, it is finished. That's the most liberating, glorious banner that now flies over us. When Jesus from the cross, when he died in our place, declared before the the Lord God Almighty, when he declared it is finished, he was saying to you and me, there's nothing more We have to do to earn a relationship with God. It has been completely done. Jesus says it is finished is why we came to him in faith the first time. It's how we came with confidence in humility and confidence to come to Jesus to begin the Christian life basically uh, is is this uh, affirmation that, Lord, I could never earn a relationship with you. I could never even maintain a relationship with you. I come now. I thank you, Jesus, that you lived in my place, you died in my place, and now I am fully and eternally accepted in the beloved. This is what Peter understood to be true. This is how he was captured by the love of Christ. And as he writes now to the church, he's saying to the whole congregation, as you yourselves have come and continue to come to Christ, this perpetual come to Jesus meeting highlights for us Exactly the point I started with and that Todd's been really wanting you to understand and how this church has always exists with this great story. Everybody matters. None of us is the point, but we all matter. Thus, we hear this imagery of living stones being joined on one to another. See, God's great burden of the world now is not to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. No, that served its purpose. The the temple that God built... uh, prefiguring the fact that one day there would be a final sacrifice for us, Jesus upon the cross, Uh, the fulfillment or the projection, the trajectory of the temple moved into this grand reality that when God would send Jesus into the world, he would have a people now that they themselves would become the temple. And isn't that a great picture to think about a church as living stones? This morning, this beautiful family was joined onto this church well, they had already been joined on to Christ by faith, by grace completely, but now they're entering in to this glorious, beautiful brickyard of Trinity Church with other stones now that, that, that God by his spirit is determined, to, is determined to do something very beautiful with. You see, a, a church uh, is made up of living stones because in the gospel we've been called from death to life. And we are now alive. In fact, if you're a follower of Christ, if, if you have received Jesus as your uh, Savior, uh, God cannot love you any more than he does today, and he'll never love you less. Jesus is the end of your struggle for a reputation. Jesus is the end of your struggle for an identity. Jesus is the end of your struggle for getting rid of guilt and shame. And now you can freely move into a community like this one and say, Lord, how can I, with other forgiven And beloved men and women in Christ, how can we begin to live together in a fashion that we're being built on one to another? And that is the image of this text. This coming to Jesus meaning means for us that the gospel is just as much for Christians as it is non-Christians. 
I shared during the marriage conference that Darlene and I are from the great state of North Carolina, and that, and for us, our background was was in hearing the word gospel and assuming that's just the way you begin the Christian life. But if we listen to the Bible, we understand that the gospel is just as much for believers as non-believers. Why? Well, think of the gospel as a giant treasure chest. And the top is just open once we come to faith. We see the opening from the heavenward side of all the riches of Christ for us. We are forgiven. We're declared righteous in the sight of God. But it is a deep chest. And Paul talks about it being filled with unsearchable riches. And, and, and that's what the gospel is. In fact, the very word grace itself. Some of you know this wonderful way of thinking about the word grace. G-R-A-C-E, these five letters. Uh, translates into a wonderful sentence, God's riches at Christ's expense. We get all the goodies of heaven, and God picks up the tab through his work through Jesus for us. Well, there's so many riches. And so a church in a community like this beautiful part of the world where God has placed you guys, uh, you know, here's your calling. Y'all want to continually come together in this room and that treasure chest is open and we discover more and more and more and more and more of the love of Christ. We're being built up. We become vulnerable. We become free. We discover that in Christ, we stop our posing and pretending. In fact, in the gospel of God's grace, we realize the safest place in the world is the heart of God because of who Jesus is and who we are in him. We, we don't have to pose and pretend we could all have a story like Matt of saying you know what big season of my life I'm not too proud of but didn't you enjoy with me the joy and the freedom he had to say in the context of this room you know what I finally have discovered the gospel I realized that what I thought was Christianity was really just performance-based acceptability I rejected something that I should have rejected you know, I moved away something that really wasn't the real representation of what the Bible says being a Christian is all about or what being a church is all about. We don't come here as a church to make promises of doing more, trying harder. No, we come here to remind ourselves it is done. Wow, the pressure's off. Therefore, we can give up our stories of building our own little personal fiefdom of personal peace and affluence. We can, we can give up trying to simply get enough money or, or have the right spouse or have enough babies or a different job. No, we realize, Lord, it's all in you. It's all of you. This is what Peter is saying. We are joined together. We are growing up in Christ. But he goes on in the text even further showing us this. So that first of three points quickly, the Christian life is a perpetual coming to Jesus meeting. We're being built up more and more and more, our joy should be deeper, our, our coming to understand the riches that are ours. But then secondly, we realize our identity in Christ precedes ministry for Christ. Once again, notice the way this scripture unfolds from verses 4 and 5. We you know, go forward into the text and we see a real, a real theme now about, uh, about we who come alive to the love of Jesus are called to collectively live a different way on behalf of others. Picking up at verse 9, you are a, 
chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Identity in Christ precedes ministry for Christ. It's really appropriate for us as a church to understand that we're really not called to do anything for Jesus, but everything with Jesus. If we live with the notion that the Christian life is, well, Jesus did his part and then went up into the sky, and now he's kind of handed the baton to us, we get ourselves right back into the default mode of works righteousness. He did his 50%. Now we got to do our 50%, and hopefully at the end of the life, we've done enough to really make him happy, and he'll open wide those doors into heaven. Dear, dear friends, Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the capstone. He is the precious stone. He didn't do 50%. How much of the percent did he do? A hundred percent, all of it. That's why now, in union with him, we say, Lord, you are, just like Brandon said, right now, Jesus, you are making all things new. And as a church, we enter into your story. What what Trinity does is, Trinity Church doesn't have a burden to go make this beautiful community different. We're not called to change the world. Really, how arrogant would that be? We're, We're world changers. We're Trinity Church. We're world changers. You know, Give up on that one a long time ago. There's only one who can make all things new, and he's doing it in us, and he's doing it through us. So look at the language that even this text shows us that uh, should be our identity as the church of Jesus Christ. And it's fascinating to see that the words in verses 9 and 10 that Peter uses that he applies to the whole church, this is language that was used of Israel. Now, why do you suppose that Peter applies to the church of Jesus Christ made up of Jews and Gentiles and Samaritans and Tennesseans and Hawaiians. Why do you think we get the very labels that alone were reserved for Israel? Because the story was always pointing towards the larger family. You see, to read the Bible is to understand that that God always had in his heart a commitment to redeem a family from all the nations. And a good way to think about Israel is, where was Israel in the story? Well, she was really the womb in which the Messiah would be delivered. But the Messiah, Jesus, came even in light of the promises that God made to Abraham that one day all families on the face of the earth will be blessed. And you see, that's one of the things I love about your church. That's the little bit that Darlene and I have gotten, I got to taste. The nations are in your church. The nations are in your community. I know it can be terribly frustrating that um, for the lifestyle of a lot of folk that live in this beautiful island, the, the military calling, it means sometimes you're going to be here one, two, three, five, or ten years, and, and the turnover rate can be frustrating. But a way of seeing this scripture applied to this church is, wow, we're a gathering of the nations right here at Trinity Church. And the more we come alive to the gospel, the more we see Jesus as our righteousness, as our Lord, as the reigning king, as the returning one who make all things new, then we can begin to have an identity as a congregation that, that's going to accept what the Lord's given us. We're a, we're a mobile congregation. 
And so we want the living stones that come to Jesus at Trinity Church, whether they're here long time, 18, 20 years, or 20 months, we want, them, we want all of us to smell the aroma of grace. We want to find there's something distinctive marking this church that's about the compelling love of Christ. And it's not legalism, and it's not Christian moralism, and it's not pragmatism. No, some wonderful aroma of grace comes into this church, and so we're being built up. And all of us are serving because everybody matters. Whether you're going to be here 20 minutes or 20 years, according to the scripture, you matter. You've got a part to play. Isn't that exciting? You're not an observer. You matter. Again, let me say it. None of us is the point. Let's get over that ego. But we matter. And so we, we have a vision, and I think this is in the heart of Todd, to say how, how can we steward the lives and the families that will be here and then move on. But how also as a church can we begin to think about? So what is God doing in our neighborhoods and our community that we want to be more tuned into? You see, uh, it's, it's, it's fair to say in light of the whole Bible, and I think in particular in light of this text is, that uh, a church has um, a reason to exist um, to the degree with to the degree which she wants the community where God has placed her to be a better place to live. And that's really a lot of what, Paul, what Peter's saying here. Look at the language. Here's who you are. Here's how you're called to live. You're a chosen race. Isn't it important to know that we're a chosen race, not choice people? You know, if we were choice people, it would mean we'd look around the room thinking, well, we're really the green berets of churches, you know. We're the special forces. We don't want any privates here. You know, we're just the, we're the, we're the choice people. No, we're not choice. We're chosen, which again frees us, right? It frees us to say, Lord, I would have never chosen you. You set your heart upon me. And that's why I stick. You know, you didn't just choose me. You married yourself to me. So we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. All of us, you don't just have two or three priests on the payroll here. If you're a Christian, every one of us are given the freedom to go into the most holy place because Jesus is our righteousness for all of us. We live together. We're a holy nation, which means we're set apart. We've been given the righteousness of Christ. We're a people that's called to live in community in a way that really does begin to help people that live close to this church say there's something about when I bump into those people from Trinity Church that smells different than religion. You know, just something about the way they deport themselves. You know, they're 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 they're, uh, they're they're not giving this spirit of us versus them. No, they seem to have an aroma, a, a kindness, an attraction. There's something about the men and women that call Trinity Church home that 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 intrigues me, and and, and that's exactly where our text goes. Notice as the language unfolds. I love what uh, Peter says in, in verse ten. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Oh, let us never forget this. Why are we Christians? Only because God's been merciful. Not because you simply got tired of your life or guilty and really want to, you know, throw a stick in the fire and rededicate your dedication or something. No, we're believers because God had mercy. You know, we, we cried uncle that we might cry Abba. We, we are those... And what's the difference between mercy and grace? In, in essence, this is not an exhaustive definition, but mercy means we don't get what we deserve. Grace means we get what we don't deserve. And, and, and we get both in the gospel. That's how big the gospel is. We don't get what we deserve. Who got what we deserve? Jesus. 
On the cross, he exhausted the judgment we deserve. Mercy is not a cry for a second chance. Folks, we don't need a second chance. We need the second Adam, Jesus. We, you know, it's, it's not about turning over a new leaf. No, we're, we don't, it's not turning over a new leaf. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. Every one of us that knows Jesus, it was as though God was standing outside Lazarus' tomb, said, come forth. The Lord gave us life. The Lord gave us the gift of our need. The Lord continues to show us more and more and more about how much we need to keep coming to Jesus because he is our joy, our life, our peace, our righteousness, our wisdom from God. And as we're doing that together, you know, we stop, we, we stop pretending. When we really are broken and undone, we don't stay home because we want a happy, happy face. No, we say, I'm a part of a church that's coming to Jesus. I'm a part of a church that's a merciful place. I'm a part of a church, lastly, that does understand this church is not Little Vegas. What happens in this room is not supposed to stay in this room. It's supposed to impact everything that goes on out there. Do you see where the text ends up? Verse 11. I love this. Peter says in conclusion, I urge you, beloved. I I love the word beloved. That's not just a southern word. That's a Greek word. We in the south talk like that. Beloved. Welcome. Have some fried chicken. No. (laughs) Beloved is a decidedly gospel word. If you are a Christian You are beloved. Again, if you are a Christian, God cannot love you more than he does today, and he'll never love you less. Why? Because he loves you as much as he loves Jesus, because he's hidden your life in Jesus. We are not loved to the degree that we're doing it right. We are loved to the degree that Jesus did it right, and Jesus did it perfectly. Good news, right? So notice where the text finishes today. Beloved, i.e. men and women, women, men and women of mercy, men and women that are astonished at grace, men and women that are coming alive to the love of Christ that want to come to church, not to get marching orders, but to see Jesus as we do so. Look what he says. As sojourners and exiles, exiles abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Verse 12. Uh, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. I love how the NIV 84 writes this. Uh, uh, O-N-I-V, New International Version 84 is my favorite translation, and it says, live such good lives among the pagans. I love that. Live such good lives among the pagans that uh, though they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Give me a final few minutes before we sing to the Lord's praise as we conclude our service. Let me unpack that. Um, Mentioned Darlene and I are from the South, and unfortunately, we kind of grew up with the image that the church was Fort God. You know, come in out of the world, brace yourself, let's gather, let's build high walls, let's have our pep talks, our talks, let's convince ourselves that we're right and they're so bad out there. Folks, that is a navel-gazing, obsessive, ingrown community. It's not a church of Jesus Christ. That's a community of fearful people that don't understand the gospel. You see, what happens in this room should be increasingly, oh yeah, I forgot the gospel, I heard it again today. God loves me because of Jesus, and he knows the week I have had, I have been an absolute mess, and Jesus is my righteousness. I don't have to do penance in order to get ready to come back to church. No, I want to stay. Again, I love the way Matt framed it. I come here and I eat. 
Uh, I come, I love, what a great, I come here and I eat. I smell, man, it smells good. You know, last night, Darlene and I were getting ready to come with some dear friends here, and there was some grilling going on right outside our, our um, uh, condo, and it smelled like heaven. I don't, I thought it was sausage. It was just this amazing sauce put on these chicken breasts that were grilling up, and it's like aroma, and it reminded me that, that that's what a church is. Do we, do, every time we gather, do we get the aroma of the gospel? Or the stench of legalism? Do we get the aroma of grace? Or the burden of law keeping? You see, it's, it's only men and women that come alive to the it is doneness by Jesus that want to move out into the culture and say, yes, we want to be the best neighbors. Yes, we want to be wherever the Lord places us. If we're on a battleship, if we are in Hawaii for three years, if we will bury our babies on this island, we want to learn what it means to live well together, coming alive to grace, so that as we move into the community, uh, we love as we are loved. Is that not the new commandment that Jesus gave us as his followers? What an amazing picture that we have. Jesus says to his disciples, says to you and to me, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. I loved watching your pastor. What's that wonderful place in downtown you introduced us to that has the best coffee and breakfast burritos? Morning brew. Morning brew. Who's been to morning brew? You know, it was attractive watching your pastor there. It's like cheers. Everybody knows his name. (laughs) And he's not coming in with a clerical road. He's not coming in with a... 40-pound King James Bible, you know, I'm here to... Ble- Working on a discount. Working on a discount. Okay, there's an angle. You know what? No, it's just... And I've sensed this with some of the marvelous people that Darlene and I have got to know. You're, you're realizing the gospel is about loving people. Non-believers and believers. Just just being intrigued with people. They're, they're all image bearers of God out there. And, 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 and we're not supposed to fix anybody. Uh, none of us is the fourth member of the Trinity. We're, 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 we're just to love. We're, we're, we're to, they will know we are Christians by our love. And, and I think my final thought, and um, Joe, and get ready to come do the next song, whatever else, um, honoring our time here. Uh, and I'm not the control meister here, so whatever happens in this Vegas, it's your Vegas, okay? But, <laughs> but, uh, but here's a thought, and then I'm going to pray. Um, we have really felt some genuine sweetness in this church, this first introduction to Hawaii, just a real sense of men and women that have had a great history in this church. It's been a church of mobilizing men and women for ministry. But increasingly with your staff, you know, with, uh, with Todd, goodness, with, with all of you, with Joel, with, uh, with Nathaniel, with the whole team, we want to see the, your, your, the uh, cells of your hearts hoisted higher to the winds of grace. So that increasingly, the word out there is, this is a place that loves people because they love Jesus. And they care about children going out into every sphere of life because Jesus is making all things new throughout the culture. We're going to celebrate our babies that get called to cross-cultural ministry. We're going to celebrate our babies that become nuclear engineers. We're going to celebrate our kids that are third-grade public school teachers. We're going to celebrate our kids that become generals in the Air Force. Do they have generals in the Air Force? Okay, you know, okay. You've got to be careful. I do know enough about this Vegas. We've got some serious people that know the military. World. But you see, it's a great story. Uh, one day, Hawaii, just like Tennessee, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Hawaii is beautiful, but you ain't seen nothing yet. This is a broken Hawaii. 
Hard to imagine that, right? It's hard to imagine it could be greener than it already is. One day when the true king comes back, he will finish making all things new. In this very world where we live now, it will be renewed. It will be the Garden of Eden on steroids. Brothers and sisters of Trinity, thank you for your welcoming heart. Thank you that we're a part of the same story. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the scripture. Thank you for this community. Thank you for the love that we have felt, Lord. Thank you that the Christian life is a perpetual come to Jesus meeting. That, Lord, we, we, we don't start with the gospel and then go to something else. It's always the gospel, more of the gospel. There's, there's nothing more than the gospel. There's just more of the gospel. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring a gospel renewal to this church. And may it look like beauty and humility and vulnerability and strength and weakness and, and the welcoming heart of God. Lord, increasingly by the way these people live on their streets in their, um, in their deployments, Lord, I pray that, that they would know just by loving people well what it means to make much of Jesus. To this end, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this church. Thank you for our secured future. In Jesus' name and for his glory, we pray. Amen.